Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Special producer Melissa hasn't screwed anything up yet, except for the fact that, you know, on, on my screen, you can see little black bars at the top. So the video well, intro so played, because I didn't hear shit. Woo! Oh, I hear something, I hear something. This is gonna be on the, uh, like the blooper reel. What's going on? Got it. I'm loud because you told me to change the mic. That's why I'm loud. Like, we might need to end the show. I apologize, people. All I can see is her hand in the mouse, but there's a lot of movement. I had a video no, to go with one of these. God, don't do anything. Don't hit the go button for any reason, please. They're still hearing interviews? Call Nigel. How did this happen? How did they get to this point? If you are watching this <laughs> show, you are just a glutton for punishment. You're not producing. Why? Mm-mm. I produce every week on Holy Smokes. That's cool. You keep doing that. My God. We weathered this storm. We drown along the way. Melissa, any parting words? I'm going to give you the final word. I think I've, I've done enough for today, Sean. It's The List and your boy with Jimmy Van and Sean Ross. And we are hopefully live. <laughs> I still hear feedback in my mic, in my headphones a little bit, but we'll see what happens. Uh-oh. What's up, you guys? <laughs> <laughs> Sean Ross Sapp here. It's listing your boy, number 78. You guys can follow me on Twitter at Sean Ross Sapp, but most importantly, visit Fightful.com. Just before this, some of you may have seen that I accidentally made a Fightful Select Q&A show public, so I'm oh, doing another one for subscribers next week. So you all can check out a free preview of our Fightful Select service. On uh, that show, I answer all kinds of questions from UFC to WWE to LeBron James, of all people. But uh, FightfulSelect.com, check that out. Of course, you can see all of our stuff at Fightful Select. But this show brought to you by OMG.com, the only way 
that our show last week would have been good is if you downloaded it onto a drive, then lathered it in ghee, cooked it, and then ate it. Because at least then you would have gotten your omega-3s, your omega-9s, your vitamin A, D, E, and K. Ghee is ideal for fighting against the destructive effects of free radicals. <laughs> I love my ghee, guys. I cook my lunch in it every single day. Head over to omghee.com. Check out their fantastic product. We're going to try to work on some sort of giveaway with them very soon. But we have a promo code that we give away on the Fightful MMA podcast. Go check that out. Get yourself a discount. Go over to OMG Butter on Twitter. Let them know you heard about them from us. Assuming we are on the air right now. You eat a fried, like a pan fried lunch every day? Sometimes I, I fry my mixed vegetables in it. I buy frozen ah. vegetables or fresh vegetables. I fry them and then I'll get uh, deer meat, venison, maybe not usually beef. It's usually chicken or pork or something. And then I'll mix that with the vegetables. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So we had a meeting yesterday and uh, I, I was cameras telling, there. Uh, there were no cameras present. I, I told Melissa that I had never seen Content. her. I had never seen her tweet so much the previous week. <laughs> oh, yeah. And so that, that told me that she was clearly uh, stressed about the whole situation. So we had a meeting, and uh, I think I kept it nice and chill, right, Melissa? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I kept it nice and chill, but I, I think I got my point across. <laughs> and so I'm expecting a tech issue free zone today, Sean. <laughs> well, you've already got feedback in your headphones. I so. do. I do. There's a little bit of like white noise in my headphones. Yeah. So we'll see what comes it of that. It may just be you. I haven't seen any complaints yet. All right. Well, we'll see when we play the first clip <laughs> oh, no. how that comes along. So that's how you feeling, Melissa. How are things? Uh, I'm better than last week. Good. Nothing's good. on fire yet. Your, so your hand is not shaking on the mic yet. That's good. She had like a twitchy index finger last week. <laughs> so that's not happening yet. So that's positive. Let's, uh, let's start the day by talking about Leon White. Yeah. Because this just broke today, uh, June 20, although he passed away on the night of uh, Monday night, June uh, 18th. But it just broke today because his son, Jesse, Jesse posted on Bader's Twitter that he passed away Monday night uh, due to complications from heart failure and, and pneumonia that he had as well. And he had a hell of a go the last couple of years. In November of 2016, he posted on social media that he had congestive heart disease and only had two years to live. I was skeptical of it, I'll be honest. Yeah. And others were too. Uh, and this year, uh, he had a lot going on. He had open heart surgery in March. He was hospitalized in April with pneumonia. He had another surgery in May for an irregular heartbeat. Went back in for pneumonia, uh, I guess a month ago. I guess it would have been around the same time of, as the heartbeat surgery. And passed away Monday night at the age of 63. Uh, you said he's the first wrestler that ever scared you? Yeah, I was I was big into wrestling. I mean, I think me and David Bixenspan dated my first wrestling match that maybe I saw was... 1990 or something it had somebody with face paint and rick flair and it was in a cage that's all i could remember and i've kind of narrowed that down i'll do alternate commentary on that but i liked wrestling but boy there was nothing that hooked me in and made me think this is never going to leave me like sting versus vader mm -hmm. it takes a real big bad son of a bitch to make sting look like an underdog kind of like roman reigns of today mm -hmm. he's a big dude and vader was he had the mask and he had the the Mastodon mask even yep. before that. And he was a big dude. And the thing is, I looked at him and he could do everything. I was like, God, he might be faster than Sting. He might be stronger than Sting. Mm -hmm. Like I looked at him and I was like, that's horrifying. And 
he was the first guy as a kid that I was scared of, but I wanted to watch him. I saw him on screen and I was like, holy shit, I can't not watch this guy. I have to see him face Sting. Mm. And when he came to WWF, I was so excited because I was more of a WWF guy. And I'll never forget him squishing Gorilla Monsoon in the corner and taking out Yokozuna, who was almost the WWF equivalent of Vader for me. Because mm-hmm. I saw him and I was like, man, this guy. How, how will anybody stop this guy? And Vader came in and just massacred him and mm-hmm. essentially sent him packing. A lot of people don't know of his don't aren't familiar with his Japanese career and I'm not to the extent I should be, but if you all want to go watch some great Vader stuff that you probably haven't watched, watch the Inoki match right before he joined WWF in 96, watch the Akiyama match in all Japan. If I, you know, I don't know how you would go about watching it, but in 2000 for the AJPW triple crown title, those were some great matches. I liked his stuff with Shawn Michaels and you know, a lot of my friends, who aren't wrestling fans know him from Boy Meets World. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Who was he in Boy Meets World? He was the father of the one character. Oh, okay. The big guy. He was the big guy's father. Did you ever see the the wrestling episodes, Melissa? Oh, my. Okay, yeah. That was him. He was the big guy, and he appeared on several episodes. So, I mean, he had had a reach even beyond that. I think he was on some of the Thunder and Paradise shows as well. Oh, yeah. All Hogan's buddies, yeah. I mean, he, he was clearly one of the best big men ever. And he was, what, 450 pounds doing top rope moonsaults. And I, I knew him from Japan only through WCW because you'll remember back in the early 90s, they had the New Japan WCW deal. Mm-hmm. And they would air those super shows on pay-per-view. Yes. And so I, I knew of Vader from New Japan through the WCW relationship. I always felt, and, and to this day I still believe, that uh, his run in WWE, even though he was gaining weight and he was over 40 and, and there were things going against him, I felt they dropped the ball by having Shawn Michaels beat him in his first major match at SummerSlam that year. Uh, because his momentum was gone. He came in as this force people knew from WCW and from New Japan, and he gets a title shot against Shawn Michaels, and then he loses clean. Uh, I, I just thought it killed his momentum dead. But you've, you've heard the story about the weight loss clinic with Yokozuna. Have you heard that story? Yes. So anybody that hasn't heard it, the, the short version is Jim Ross was the head of talent relations. Vader and Yoko were both having weight loss issues. Jim Ross sent them to a weight loss clinic. And because a weight loss clinic is not prison and you kind of you know have a little bit of free reign, Yoko and Vader at night would get into a rental car and, and hit the drive throughs And when they would do the weekly weigh-ins, they were actually gaining weight. And that, and that was part of Vader's issue. That was one of the things that kind of killed them in, in WWE. And probably contributed to his heart issues, I'm sure. Yeah, but I, uh, I wish WWE would have put him in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, before. I agree. I agree. They should it's have. Long, it's long overdue. I yes. mean, they had him induct Stan Hansen, and yep. I on agree. the microphone, you hear him talk, and he's he's such a... He would often get the reputation of being a softie, even though he would be really stiff in the ring. Yes, the Ken Shamrock match. Yeah. That was hardcore, that first one that they did in 97. Yeah, so he was. Is... Of all the pro wrestler deaths in recent years, this one affects me the most. I mean, really? gosh, I just thought of him as the perfect heel, the perfect monster heel. He could do everything because I think that's truly what makes a, what makes a monster is he does everything that he he's supposed to do good. Oh, mm-hmm. and then he does some stuff that he has no business doing really good as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that that really accentuates the monster thing, and you would always hear the old. Oh, work like a big guy. No, no, don't. 
because I think it's even scarier if you can do things you're not supposed to be able to do physically. Right, right. Yeah, I agree. He he was really great, and uh, it's unfortunate. He's 63, still pretty young, and he had a lot of health issues, and I agree with you about the Hall of Fame. He should have gone in, and I'm sure now posthumously they'll put him in, but it's not the same thing. It's, uh, it's too bad, but he had a hell of a career and I think a pretty good legacy too. And they didn't put anybody in posthumously this year. I think it's because they wanted, almost because they wanted to break the the quota essentially that they have because I mean in recent years it was very clear they had a specific they had a number of people who they had legacy inductees they had a headliner a tag team they had an african-american a woman it was very obvious the formula that was there and I think that they kind of wanted to break that but As far as, as credentials goes, WCW World Heavyweight Champion three times, United States Champion, he held the IWGP Heavyweight Champion three times when foreigners didn't really win it a lot. Uh, IWGP uh, Tag Team Champion with Bam Bam Bigelow, and he held the uh, AJPW Triple Crown Championship twice as well. Man. Also, uh, man, just he was just so good. He was just so good. He'll be missed. Have you seen the belly to back on Inoki? Have you seen that? From when? It was New Japan. It would have been, uh, yeah, it would have been uh, late 80s probably. Look it up because it's a pretty well-known spot. And matter of fact, I think Elias Theodoru posted it on Twitter today. He might Uh, have, yeah. And he he kind of powered Inoki up. Inoki sandbagged him a little bit. So he kind of powered him up and dumped him on the back of his head. Like he was, he was a scary, powerful guy. Football player in his, in his younger days. AWA wrestler too. So. Yeah, since it's it's G1 tournament time, go out of your way to watch if you can find it. The uh, Muto match from, I think, 91. It was probably his best match ever. So let's move on and talk about uh, another kind of sort of breaking news story, although it's been up for a couple of days now. So on, on June 19th, WWE.com posted this one simple sentence, Sean. One very simple sentence. And that was, WWE has come to terms on the release of William Morrissey, a.k.a. Big Cass. Now, I asked you when it happened, like, why did it happen? Was it because of the little person thing on SmackDown? Uh, some things have come out since, and I just want to mention two of them, and then you tell me what else you've heard. So Mike Bucci, who was Nova in ECW and Simon Dean in WWE, he posted this on Facebook yesterday. A former wrestling co-worker of mine from back in my WWE days was backstage at a show about a year ago, and Big Cass Big dogged him and asked him to leave the locker room. Now, I'm going to assume Mike Bucci did not mean that Big Cass did this with his fist, and I think Mike Bucci didn't mean that Big Cass went, ah and then speared the guy. Uh, I think what he means is that Big Cass was a dick to, to whoever was visiting. Then Ryan Tried Satin, to kick him out of the locker room. Tried to kick him out of the yeah. locker room, right. Ryan Satin from Pro Wrestling Sheet said that uh, on the recent European tour, Cass broke the door down on the tour bus because the lock was broken and he thought somebody was playing a rib. So he broke the door down and the talent had to use the bathroom on that trip with no door. And apparently that pissed people off. And then Justin Barrasso of uh, SI.com. And I know that there have been some questions about some of his stuff in the past, but he said that on that European tour, Cass drank heavily and had attitude issues when he drank. So uh, maybe they all played into it. I had heard everything but but what Ryan Satin had mentioned. And I've heard that that Cass was – his attitude was kind of brash and – you know, there are some people bringing up the fact that he was, or at least the speculation, that he was a pretty vocal Trump supporter, and they said, oh, that wouldn't matter. Linda McMahon's in the cabinet. Well, just take a survey of the WWE roster, look mm-hmm. at what that is composed of, and you'll see why maybe that's not the most popular thing to be outspoken about in, mm-hmm. in that locker room. 
but uh, yeah, I had heard I had heard that of the the Mike Bucci story. Actually, that was the first thing I heard when I started to ask around about how he was backstage. Now, the, the Trump and Make America Great Again thing, it was brought up, but wasn't necessarily the thing that was really focused on based on the people that I talked to. He had some issues with his attitude before the ACL tear, and I think WWE kind of hoped that this would humble him mm. and maybe reset things. When Pro Wrestling Sheet reported that he went off the script last year, or last month, rather, with the little person thing, what happened was Daniel Bryan was in that script, and he was supposed to come out and make the save for the little person. His chest was painted up so bad, they wrote him off TV saying that he was at risk of a chest infection because they didn't want a WWE wrestler to come out there looking like that, obviously. They don't want some kid to see that and say, oh, let's let's do this. Uh, question on that for cool. a second. Question on that. And I, I realize this is something that they would probably have to answer. They had these things called T-shirts. Why wouldn't they just put Daniel Bryan in a Yes T-shirt and have him do the run-in? I don't know. They it's didn't so want, stupid. They didn't want to put him on TV. He wrestled yeah. that night. But yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, and the production script is even up on FightfulSelect.com. You guys can see it because they revised it even after we posted it because mm-hmm. I had to do a story on it. And apparently Big Cass had pitched, hey, let me extend this beat down. And they said, thanks for the input. No thanks. And then he did it anyway. Now, this comes out of concern for safety for the performer that's in there with him and a lot of stuff that, that wasn't reflected upon positively when you completely go against that especially when it's a little person yeah that too yeah look bad on the company i thought so and we have somebody saying isn't a trump supporter champion and just got put on the game cover that is a far cry from outwardly speaking on it backstage and being somewhat obnoxious from what i understand mm. Whatever. That's, that's what I've been told. I don't really give a shit who he supports. Yesterday on Twitter, I posted the video of their debut on Raw, on the main roster, him and uh, Enzo, two years ago. Uh, and isn't it amazing, two years later, they were, I said, I said on Twitter, they were arguably the most overact on their debut on the main roster coming out of NXT than anybody. Yeah. And two years later, uh, Carmella is still doing well. And uh, from by all accounts, she's really nice and well-liked. And, and here's these other two on the outs. And it's kind of interesting that this happened because when I was putting together the list on Monday, I had put in something about Enzo that's related to Big Cass. And then, sure enough, this Big Cass story hits. So that was kind of unique. But I want to mention the Enzo thing. I know he's your favorite wrestler and rapper, Sean. And, uh, and I know you've got his tunes, you know, downloaded. So I want to talk about this. So his last tunes. His tunes. <laughs> <laughs> so last weekend, he was on a podcast that I'd never heard of called The Store Horseman. Uh, it's available on SoundCloud. I was telling Sean, I was trying to listen to this thing, and it was one of the hardest listens I've ever had because Enzo was a very pompous guy. In his mind, he's Jay-Z. With all due respect to him, in his mind, he's Jay-Z. And the podcast hosts, with all due respect to them, they basically just sucked his dick through the whole thing. And so it was it was hard to listen to. But there was one clip that I wanted to I wanted to put on here. Probably from get that. a lot more views if they actually did. Yeah, I mean, well, I think it's only audio. I don't think there was video, but... Uh, probably get more listens if they <laughs> I want to play a clip from this. This is regarding the Brooklyn Street Fight match that he had with Big Cass on Raw in August of 2017. It's the match where Cass tore his ACL. And I want to play a clip from Enzo's interview about this real quick. So I know that I'm going to 205 Live the next day. Me and him are done with our feud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I'm going to wrap this up. But basically, you know, I'm in the ring. Brooklyn, 
the payoff is I get this fucking chair yeah, in my yeah. hands. You tear your ACL in our business. I mean, Triple H tore his quad and sat in a sharpshooter. Yep, yep. Stone Cold got, took a pile driver, was paralyzed, <laughs> the ugliest schoolboy in the history of the fucking business. Yeah, yeah. I've been picked up, thrown down the ramp, have a sciatic issue from fucking sensitivity class or a bruise in my ass you couldn't comprehend. I let you pick me up over your head and throw me out of the fucking ring. Yeah. I made you look like the biggest beast there ever was because I was more invested in you as a human and a wrestler and doing business with you in the future than anyone else, right? Yeah. We can make money down the line for 10, 20 years. Yeah. In that business. And in a moment where I pick up a fucking chair in Brooklyn and they're going fucking ape shit, fucking buck wild, you roll out of the ring and quit. Yeah. On live fucking TV, the most awkward moment ever. And then we get to the backstage, bro, and you know people talk. You know how their business is. If I'm Vince McMahon, am I going to invest? Look, you have WrestleMania, main event. We expect you to go out there and have a half hour, 45 minute yeah. match. You tear your ACL in the first five minutes. That's, that's, they have to know you're going to stick it out. Yeah. That's the business we're fucking in. Sure. Wow. And in that moment, I felt like, and it was it was immature at the time, but not really, because it was the first time in my life in wrestling where I ever went, bro, I can't forgive you for this. Mm. Like I I've I've let people kill me for the past five years. I've taken the heat in every one of our matches, mm-hmm. every fucking bump, and I get this chair in my hand, and you're standing up. <laughs> And you can't take a chair shot. We're pros, dude. This is what we fucking do. You catch the chair on the fly and and DDT me on it. Yeah. Match over. Whatever we have to do as pros in the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To finish the match. That's uh, some pipe. That was where I stood, and we got you know we we haven't talked since. And we are back. You know, Two something? peas in a fucking pod, those guys. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I always liked Enzo as a character. We used to put him over on the show. Yeah. And I always liked him as a character. I thought he was likable. I thought he was great on the mic and lots of charisma and a great seller. And they, they basically, 205 Live was going to be his show. For him to say that about who was his friend at the time, what a dick is all I can say about Enzo Amore. And I got to tell you, Sean, I went back and watched the match because I forgot you know, how it finished and all that. I went back and watched the match. Cass did not quit on that match. When he tore his ACL, he told the referee that he was hurt. He kept going, and he tried to do an elbow off the ropes. He, like, ran into the ropes, tried to drop an elbow, and his leg gave out on him. And when that happened, the referee put up the X sign. He didn't quit. And after the referee put up the X sign, then he rolled out. For Enzo to say that about his buddy at the time, and you told me yesterday something about Enzo knocked himself out, like, under the top rope. On the bottom rope. Against Neville, right? No, it? it was against the Vod Villains. The Vod Villains, okay. Have you ever heard Simon Gotch talk about Enzo? No. Ooh, boy. It was just an asshole thing to say, I thought. And uh, and I know, again, man, it's, it's amazing, these two guys. They came up together. They were buddies. They were really over. I don't know why they didn't put the belts on him in WWE. Maybe they had the foresight that we didn't. And, uh, and now they're both on the outs. So what I think they should have gotten the NXT titles in Brooklyn when the VOD villains got it. There was no reason not to. Mm-hmm. And there, it's funny because the reason everybody always thinks is this act's going to go up to the main roster, and they almost never do. It's so weird. You know, by January, I even was willing to say out of the, that trio act, Cass, Carmella, Enzo, Enzo was probably the best worker, too, mm-hmm. because he sold so well. He was really good. And he played that role so well. When he got fired, I even tweeted it. Carmella's going to be the biggest star of that act. 
without a doubt. Yeah. And here she is, and she is. That being said, Big Cass had the best match of his life on Sunday. Mm-hmm. He did more than his share against uh, Daniel Bryan. That being said, what a dickhead thing to say. It is an asshole Enzo. thing to say. It is. It yep. is real hard after all this to make Big Cass look like the babyface in this situation. <laughs> real hard. Yeah. And Enzo found a way to do it. Now, okay, if it were me, I would have I would have tried to find a way to finish the match. Sure. I'm not Big Cass. I'm not seven feet tall. I don't carry around 300 pounds mm-hmm. on my legs like he does. You know low blow pin get out of there but but he, he did try to keep going he tried he did he did what he could he did for he Enzo did. to go up to him and say i can't forgive you for this bro yeah it's unbelievable unbelievable and there's really no, nothing I more it. i get it enzo's enzo's mouth carried that act for quite a while mm. but like i said two peas in a fucking pot <laughs> these two guys yeah i, I think they, we should... they deserve each other they really do I think we should move on. I want to talk about uh, something that's going to become even bigger. Uh, this is WWE's Global Localization Initiative. Yeah. And uh, Melissa has an image of Triple H that I want to put up. And at the time that this happened, I didn't think as much about it as I'm thinking about it now. She's going to put up a photo, anybody that's on our audio only. This is Triple H when he was at the annual Business Partner Summit that they do around WrestleMania time for you know clients and advertisers and whatnot. Uh, in the background is a map of the world, and he's got the NXT logo over certain areas like Europe and the Middle East and South America. And uh, the reason I'm bringing this up is because WWE has announced that they're going to be starting something called NXT UK. They're going to be doing eight live events starting in late July, followed by shows in August, October, and November. They're de- debuting two new titles, the UK Women's Championship and the UK Tag Team titles. Uh, presumably, it's going to air on the network. I know AAA said they don't have a broadcast platform yet, but I'm assuming it's going to air on the network. Yeah. And here's a quote from Triple H in the press release when they announced NXT UK, and this is a telling quote. He said, this is the next step in our ongoing strategy to create localized content and further develop our brand globally. Uh, now, obviously, UK right now is, is big for WWE. I think it's number two behind the US. And so, obviously, they went to the UK. They're trying to do stuff in India, as we know, and in the Middle East, as we know. And so, maybe we're going to see NXT India. Uh, that's possible. They had South America on that map with the big NXT logo on it. So, they're, they're going to try something in South America. This is the vision that they have. I think this is Hunter's vision. And it, and it looks like they're going to do the NXT branding in every market they go into because then they could do crossover between all of the different markets. Uh, and that's what it looks like they're going to be doing. This is, this is essentially WWE taking over the world, Sean, in terms of pro wrestling. They're going to, it's very much like what Vince did in the 80s, except they just kind of scaled it up a notch. They're going to go into all the major markets. They're going to scoop up all the talent and all those local markets. They're going to create their own NXT brand in that market. Uh, and they're going to basically own the business. That's that's what they're trying to do. What do you what think? They're trying to do. It's so yeah. funny. I, I mentioned this on the Q and A show. Impact and Ring of Honor have changed roles. You remember how you would watch stuff on DVDs in the network and it'd say courtesy of Ring of Honor. Yes. Well, now they're getting courtesy of Impact, and they don't want Ring of Honor doing anything. Mm-hmm. They don't see number two as a threat, but they will treat number two as if they are a threat. Yes. That's that's the way that they act and. You know, more whatever they want to do, it's their business. Uh, I was very surprised they let the the New Japan or the the New Day Elite thing happen, considering that. As far as the NXT global situation, Triple H pretty much telegraphed this Saturday night on the media call, youtube.com slash Fightful. It's available. He said that he'd like to do these for these regional areas. 
And I could see an NXT Japan mm-hmm. in the future. I could see that. Uh, I could see it happening for a lot of different places. Anywhere that they see talent being cultivated, by and large. Needless to say, you won't see an NXT China for quite a while <laughs> until yeah. they get some people that don't absolutely suck come out of China. Yeah. And I also put it like this. What can WWE do with 20 bearded white European guys? <laughs> okay, just give them their own promotion. Why not? Yeah, what's that one tag team they call them? Mustache Mountain or something? Yeah, they're good. Yeah, yeah, but it kind of goes with what you just said. Well, they all do look, so many of them look exactly alike. Yeah, yeah. So it's an interesting thing happening, and uh, I think it's really telling of this. This is going to be their strategy, and who knows what the next one's going to be, but this is their their path. That's what they're going to do. Uh, Let's talk about Ronda Rousey now. So, uh, you know, there were complaints online after Money in the Bank. Because people find a reason to complain. There were complaints online that she sold too much for Nia Jax. And that Nia Jax was too much on the offensive and she was too dominant. I watched that match and I thought that Ronda Rousey was stellar. And I thought that the story the commentators told, because they told it more than once, about how oh Nia Jax knows that Ronda's new to the business and she's going to get really good. But she's new to the business and this is the time to strike. And that's why Nia challenged her as champion because if there's a time to beat her, this is now. The commentators told that story on commentator two or three times. And based on that, I loved everything about the match. I, I loved that Ronda sold. Ronda was excellent selling Sean. And the subtle facial expressions. Facial expressions. So and good. the subtle things too, like when she looked at the top rope and she kind of shrugged like, oh, I've never done this before, but oh, whatever. And then she went and did it. She was so good at stuff like that. She did the judo throw and it looked to me, and I'm not a judo guy, but it sure looked to me like she lifted her up, Sean. She did. To throw her over. <laughs> Like Ronda. She does like a new judo throw every week because she has a like Enzo always talked about how he had notebooks full of promos written. Mm-hmm. Ronda Rousey doesn't have a notebook; she just has her instincts and knows a million different judo throws. That's one of the things I brought up when we talked about this months ago. That Ronda Rousey's going to do stuff that pro wrestling fans have never seen, right? And you're able to get an ooh and an ah out of that. Right. But she did Kurt on Monday. Yes. I love the story. I, I do too. I, I do love too. The story. The only thing that I didn't like was the coach saying. Ronda Rousey taking a breather here while 270-pound Nia Jax had her in a bear hug. <laughs> guy's hit bricks. And Corey Ronda Graves Rousey. gave him shit for that, too. He oh, gave yeah. him shit. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he said, how are you still employed? Graves yes, he did. Tearing him a new ass all week. Yeah. But Ronda Rousey was fantastic. Yes, she was. Nia Jax was also fantastic. Mm-hmm. On the same night Big Cass had the best match of his life, so did Nia Jax. And mm-hmm. I thought that really helped the quality of the program. Telling us that Ronda Rousey couldn't do a lot of the things she could do in MMA, mm-hmm. I think is very good. I thought they should have went a step further. You want to talk about bringing back no closed fist punches? That was probably the best match to explain why those are illegal in pro wrestling and why they're legal in MMA. But I loved it. It was a much bigger opponent. Yes. A much more experienced opponent, even though Nia is not that experienced. And like you said, she saw vulnerability in Ronda Rousey. I thought it was clever how they kept Rousey from taking the title mm-hmm. yes. and how they got her off TV. I know it, it it echoes a bit of the Brock Lesnar type of thing, but Ronda Rousey is doing the right things. Also, she's over with the crowd. That's yes, she is. And I think a lot of her naysayers uh, are shutting up. Because like, when she left MMA and went to WWE, there were a lot of pro-MMA people or anti-Ronda Rousey people that wanted to see her fail in WWE and they wanted to see her slip on a banana peel and I think a lot of them are shutting up and I think some of them because I've seen some of the messages on social media some of them are coming right out and saying I was wrong and Ronda's great yeah 
And well, uh, Coach Coach was one of those people who said that Ronda Rousey has no value to WWE now. Right. Right. By the way, I just want to mention we hit our most live mm-hmm. viewers ever for this show yep. with Melissa producing. <laughs> Is that the reason? Because of Melissa's oh, producing? I don't think it hurt. People wanted to see a train wreck? Yeah, you know when you pass by a car accident, you can't You can't open watch. Look. Yeah, you're right. That's probably right. Like, one other <laughs> thing about Ronda. Like, but this is like driving back to that car wreck a week later. <laughs> and like somehow the car is pristine uh, and but, undamaged. But they're still waiting for the crash. That's true. And we're about to test that. <laughs> because last week you were supposed oh. to hear me talk to Bruce Pritchard. I've had this shit in the can for months. <laughs> Thought I was finally going to unload it last week. Oh boy, we did. We unloaded some <laughs> shit on <laughs> Let's see how it goes this time. It's like a homecoming. And when I went to Raw 25 in New York, it was just so nice to see people that you haven't seen in a long time. It's great to be home in a lot of respects and, and be around uh, that old familiar setting. And, and it's just like a... I guess a high school or college reunion that you you get away from it, but when you step back into it, it's like you never left, and it, it's a, it's a good feeling. And I'm glad that you know Jeff got to experience that and, and is back back in the wrestling business in in a in a good high profile way. I'm happy for him going into the Hall of Fame, and I'm glad that WWE welcomed him with open arms. My primary question about what he posted the other day is, are WWE's brownies as delicious as they look in that catering photo? Uh, looks can be deceiving. Really? <laughs> no, they're, you know, when I was at WWE, the catering went through many machinations, <laughs> and we went through uh, several caterers from when I first started to having the production meeting catered with shrimp and lobster tails and everything under the sun to going to cold cuts and pasta and dry chicken breast to what it is today. And the caterings come a long way. And I think that familiarity breeds contempt sometimes that they don't realize how good they have it uh, versus in the old days. I mean, literally all we had was a deli tray. (laughs) You you were uh, at Raw 25, and I spoke to you before that. But, I mean, you talked about humbling earlier. My God, that reaction that you received on screen, how did that feel? Really, really good. Deafening. Um, it, you know, the, the thing from a performer point of view, um, and and especially, come on, man! I I haven't been on TV in in a long, long time. To get any response is is flattering and humbling. And I just thought it was really cool that they remembered, they reacted, and that uh, that it meant something. And we're back. That full interview over at Fightful.com. You can find it at our YouTube, youtube.com slash Fightful. Search Bruce Pritchard. Lots of good stuff there. I also have one up with Conrad Thompson, and I'll have some more notes about my interview with Conrad in an upcoming episode or upcoming Fightful Wrestling Weekly, which you all can get early at FightfulSelect.com. It, it went smooth. Everything, nothing broke. Nothing broke yet? <laughs> nothing is, broke. Is, is the board there smoking? It looks like it's still pretty good. 
Yeah, we're doing good so far. So, Sean, let me ask you. So, I noticed that some WWE personnel, like Char- I think Charles Robinson was an example, posted on Sunday night how disappointed he was in the fans in Chicago because they disrespected Roman Reigns and Jinder Mahal. And my question for you, Sean, is do you think, once again, uh, it was proven that Roman Reigns is the guy by the way that he was treated by the fans of Chicago and the way that he uh, carried himself in that match? What are your thoughts? We've echoed this a million times. The guy needs to be a heel. The only time he gets even a negative reaction is when you put him with people that the fans care about. That's it. Sometimes, in maybe one random city every three months, he'll get a positive reaction. Last year, he was put with Braun Strowman in a creatively satisfying program, Mm -hmm. and Braun Strowman got cheered. Braun Strowman was the heel. And a lot of people will say, Roman will get cheered if he's the heel. So what's 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 the fucking point? Well, who said, someone point. Who, was it like Sam Roberts that said that, or uh, all, all kinds of people. yeah. Might I even mean, so Jericho. Jericho Tri- might even Triple H that. goes out there, and Jericho will say it, and Roman Reigns will say it. Aren't I already a heel? No, come on, don't insult our intelligence. That's the reason why he's getting the booze in the first place. The audience knows what's up. They get the, they get the point. Yeah. If he went heel and he got cheered congratulations you got the desired reaction that you always wanted to begin with they are passing up heat or a babyface reaction to go with indifference and that's what it is they thought that they could put him with Jinder Mahal who everybody hated because he's such a good heel or because they didn't like the way that he was pushed last year Mm -hmm. oh Roman Roman will get the positive reaction from that no no he won't yeah They'll start chanting for people who aren't in the company. They'll and chant doing the wave. And damn. Yep. Yep. I mean, part of the problem is, well, a big part of the problem is creative. Not just the fact that he has to turn heel, but when you look back at the Brock Lesnar story going into Mania and going to the Greatest Royal Rumble, they had Roman Reigns that everybody knows is the chosen one. And they had him going on television bitching about Brock Lesnar being the chosen one and, and, and talking about how Roman Reigns is uh, passed over for opportunities even though he's had all these title shots. The, the wrestling fans like we've talked about are not dumb today. They're knowledgeable today. They know he's Vince's boy. And so doing a story like that was not going to work. And I agree with you. They thought if there's anybody that's going to get him over his baby face, it's, it's Jinder Mahal. That's what they thought. And it didn't work. And uh, you know what's even more concerning, Sean, is that... I think it was Dave Meltzer that said this. Roman is penciled in for Brock at SummerSlam. Mistake. That's insanity to me. That's insanity to me that they would do that. Yeah. Mistake for it not to be Seth Rollins and not to go heel with Roman right after that. And, uh, you know, anybody who says, isn't he already heel? Or he'll get a babyface reaction. Yeah. You are frustrating to me because you are satisfied with your wrestling programming being creative and you are a part of troll culture and you should just stop talking. <laughs> well, I want to move on and I want to ask you, Sean, I want to have a little conversation about Vincent Mann's non-wrestling business endeavors over the years. And uh, I did a little bit of research. I knew about most of these. I didn't know about one or two. Are, are you familiar with the Cape Cod Buccaneers? Hell no, I'm not. <laughs> So the reason I did this is I want to talk about Vince's latest XFL business decision and how brilliant it was. But first, I want to talk about some of his other non-wrestling business endeavors. So in the early 80s, when Vince Sr. still ran the then WWF and it was still just a uh, Northeastern Territory 
Vince Jr. owned the Cape Cod Coliseum in Cape Cod, Massachusetts. And he wanted to get an AHL hockey team into the Cape Cod Coliseum. He was unable to do that. And at the time, there was a new hockey league starting up called the Atlantic Coast Hockey League. And so he created a team called the Cape Cod Buccaneers to play in the ACHL. Their first season was 81-82. And guess what, Sean? Their last season was their last. It was their last. It turned out the league was losing money. Teams folded during the season. They decided to run the playoffs early to get the season over with. Uh, and Vince decided to cut his losses, and he, uh, he folded the team. So that was in the early 80s. Then, uh, 89, came No Holds Barred. Now, as a wrestling fan, I've, I've enjoyed the movie. Uh, we got Zeus and WWE out of it, Sean. So I enjoyed the movie, but financially it didn't do great. It did $60 million domestically at the box office. I'm sure it had life on tape later on. But uh, it, it, it didn't exactly smash it. Then in 88, uh, he actually promoted a boxing match, Sugar Ray Leonard against Donnie Lalonde. And I don't, if, I don't know if you remember SummerSlam that year where they promoted the fight constantly during the Slum, SummerSlam pay-per-view that year. Uh, it didn't do well. Then in the early 90s came the World Bodybuilding Federation. And right alongside that, he had a brand called IcoPro, which was like a weight loss sub, or a, a muscle building supplement. They kind of went hand in hand. Neither one of those worked out. Then in the late 90s, when things were really hot, they created WWF New York, which was a restaurant in uh, Times Square. It uh, ended up closing up shop. Then in 2012, they invested $5 million into something called Tout. Uh, (laughs) And what was it, like a video streaming app, something? Yeah, they tried. Uh, They also had a two-year partnership to promote Tout in, in addition to the investment. They went heavy on TV. You'll remember they had everybody cutting these little promos on Tout. The two-year partnership ended. Tout wasn't working out, so they stopped promoting it. Uh, the XFL came along. We know how that ended. Now they're relaunching the XFL in 2020. And what we know so far is that they still don't have a broadcast strategy, not, at least not, they've been, not that they've announced. We know that Charlie Ebersol has the AAF, the Alliance of American Football, starting next season, one year ahead of the XFL. And they do have a broadcast platform with CBS. Uh, but according to Law.com, Vincent Mann has hired a game named, guy named Oliver Luck, who I had never heard of, admittedly, uh, to be the commissioner and the CEO of the XFL, and he has guaranteed him $20 million, I think over three, I think over three years, to run the XFL, and that $20 million could grow to $30 million in guaranteed money. When I saw this uh, come up last week uh, on social media, I think I responded and I said, good job, Vince, keep doing the football you want to hear a fun fact about the hockey thing? Because yeah. when you said Cape Cod, I didn't realize that you meant his hockey venture. Yeah. The guy that coached that team would stay on as senior vice president of Titan Sports and helped Vince buy WWF from his father. Is that right? Yeah, Jim Troy. Okay, well, there you go. There you go. So I guess it, I get worked out a little bit for him. <laughs> I guess it but, did. Uh, I guess it did. Got, I think he got into a fight with Coco Beware and left. That was the guy? Yeah, in 1990, I think. It was on, it was on the European tour, I think. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Interesting. So there you go. And helped like Vince with the pay per view market. I, I, you know, I admire the fact that he's willing to go out and try different stuff. How often do you? How often do I bring up stuff about like the sports site to you? I'm yeah. willing to branch out, and I can appreciate that. And I mean, hell, you branch out. You're doing. You're doing yeah. a wrestling. Site. I, have, I have like six divisions in the company. Well, here's the thing: you branched out and did a wrestling site, maybe in part because you've ran a successful wrestling site before, right? Yeah. So well, that's knew, true. You knew that there was a possibility for it to work. Yeah. There are tested markets. I don't know that I've heard of anybody say, 
God damn it. You know what I need of? I need an alternative to the NFL. <laughs> Again. 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 That, to me, that's a big part of it. So the first time around, the XFL lost $70 million, and of that, WWE share was half. Thirty-five million, and NBC share was half, thirty-five million. So if you think about that, so they lost thirty-five million the first time, and now he's guaranteed twenty million to one guy to be the CEO and commissioner of the league. And they don't—they haven't announced the, the cities yet that the teams are going to be in. They haven't announced a broadcasting deal. They have a competitor with a one-year head start who does have a broadcasting deal. That competitor is going to be able to poach up all the players before before the XFL can. It's I, say, I got the wrong job title at Fightful. <laughs> what do you want to be? What do you want to be? What What was his position? CEO and commissioner. There you go. I want to be CEO and commissioner <laughs> of Fightful.com. I said if I was promoted to president, I would pardon Linz, or Melissa for her uh, flubs last week. So uh-huh. I don't need your permission. <laughs> Good attitude, Melissa. Good wow. attitude. As Jimmy, see, that's a different she, She's story, threatening but... to cut my man bun on the chat because she loves cancer, apparently. Oh my God. You Canadians just uh, embrace it, don't you? You really like it. Do you believe in karma, Sean? I believe in you paying me $15,000 to cut my hair. I might. That's what I believe in. No, but that wasn't to cut your hair. That's to shave your head. I don't know. I mean, the thing is, I'm going to grow it right back out. I, but... and, and you can, yeah. You can. But man, it took... I didn't realize how much work it was to cut hair. I'm dealing with things now that I had never anticipated. Like, hey, on a windy day and I'm driving down the road and I roll my window up, my hair might get stuck in that window if I don't turn my head. I mean, I'll tell you what, Toronto, I'll do it in 10 minutes, Sean. What? Shave your head. Uh, yeah, I, d- I doubt it. I we'll doubt see, it. we'll Not, see. Now, one without of, that cash money. One other thing I want to talk about about this man, and I, I've alluded to this on Bast uh, Podcast, one thing that he is good at is backroom deals and intimidation and short arm tactics, and I think backroom deals, eh? I think we got another example of it, Sean. I think we did <laughs> because Mike Johnson from PW Insider talked to Joe Coff. He's the COO of Ring of Honor uh, regarding the fact that MSG has backed away from letting Ring of Honor. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow. <laughs> I could really use Current. (laughs) I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Run a show, and this is a quote from Joe Coff that he said to Mike Johnson. I'm not going to discuss beyond this statement because I'm not going to litigate this in the press. We had a deal with the Garden, and they then told us they were backing out after communications from the WWE. We're not able to get any other dates in any kind of discussion. This is a company, Sean, that they run now, what, twice a year? They run the day after Christmas, and they run in the summertime. 
WWE got pissy that they were going to Barclays, a cheaper, cleaner, better venue that is more accommodating. And I would, I'm inclined to believe that MSG may have reached out to Ring of Honor and the All In guys because was there any buzz of this before the All In guys were like, hey, maybe MSG? Right. It wasn't really out there. And all of a sudden, it's like, why would they be talking about that? There's an exclusivity. Mm-hmm. And then it was, it came out, well, they're, they're MSG's pissy at WWE. Mm-hmm. But all it took was Vince doing Vince's thing. And all of a sudden, MSG's backing off of that deal. How about that? Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. So at least he's got that going for him, Sean. So good for Vince McMahon. To me, it's like, how much money are you spending to keep somebody out of MSG? Oh, yeah. That's, and that's because it's not worth it. Not only that, when you told me, when you were mentioning that to me, I said, all right, they're probably doing ROH a favor because if it's that expensive for WWE to run, I don't care if Sinclair's back in Ring of Honor. Yes. I can't see how it would be financially fruitful for them to I agree. run. They would MSG. do it to say they did it, basically. Yeah. All right, Melissa, let's go to Stupid People. Let's try the intro. Oh, boy. This is a stupid song. It just goes on and on. You might find some meaning, but you would be wrong. Starting on time? Yep, right. and we're back. Okay, so this week I can thank TrevorStrong.org <laughs> for the usage of the stupid song. You're welcome, Trevor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this week he gets the plug. And Sean, I think that I have more uh, more images to share with the stupid people news this week than we've ever had. Well, I have, this, I have it up in the window, so my reaction will be delayed. It'll be but delayed. I will react. So this first one was reported by Trevor ABC. Strong should run MSG. Can you imagine three hours of having the stupid song on a loop? <laughs> so this is reported by ABC News on June fourteenth. And sometimes you got to think about, we've talked about, Sean, how like some executives are not very impressive, like Stephanie McMahon. So a lot of executives are not very impressive, and they, they don't make the, the, the best, smartest, most common sense decisions. And this is a perfect example of it. So Target has come under fire after a shopper named Takesha Saunders was at a store in Rockwell, Texas, and she found this Father's Day card. And Melissa's going to put it on the screen. Target on the- has come under fire. <laughs> You like that? (laughs) (laughs) On the front of this Father's Day card, it features a black couple kissing. And in big letters on the front of the card, it says the words baby daddy. Did you hear about this one? No. Who gives a shit? Oh, well, Takesha Saunders gave a shit. Then when she posted it on social media, thousands of other people gave a shit. And then when Target found out about it, they gave a shit. Because they pulled it off of, so far, as of the time of the writing here, 900 of their 1,800 stores. And American Greeting, which creates the cards for Target, publicly apologized for uh, putting up a baby daddy card with a black couple on it. So, there you go, man. That's the first yeah. one. Yeah, I mean, then they, they could possibly face some accusations of cultural appropriation if they put a white couple on there. So, I, they probably just shouldn't have put out the card in general. Ex- maybe Maybe ran some test markets there you go something like that probably the way to go this next one was reported by autoevolution.com on june 14 there was a 19 year old woman named caitlin strom and she was attending the winstock music festival near minneapolis she had a little bit to drink sean yeah and she saw a large truck park nearby and it just so happened that large that large truck had a really large exhaust pipe hanging off the back what do you think 19 year old uh, Caitlin Strom decided to do. 
take a shit out of a moving van. <laughs> she decided to stick her head up the exhaust pipe. And we, have, and we have a photo of it. Go ahead, Melissa. Put that up. Yep. She ended up getting stuck for almost an hour. Firefighters had to come out to power saw her free. Oh, you fucking idiot. <laughs> to power saw her free. Now, this is, you know, 2018, so of course somebody filmed it, and they posted the video on Facebook, and the video went viral. And maybe the best part of the whole thing, Sean, is this girl spends an hour basically on her knees with her head up an exhaust pipe. Uh, the firefighters use a power saw. They get her free. Insult mm-hmm. to injury. After she got free, the police were there. Yeah. They, they cited her for underage drinking, and they ordered her to leave the festival. This would have been easily avoided had she rubbed ghee from <laughs> omg.com all over her head. She would have been able to slide in and out of that exhaust pipe just fine. Well, there you go. I guess she uh, she didn't have that jar with her at the time, unfortunately. But this last one, Sean, this is for the SRS file because they're Hell never yeah. they're never hard to find. And this one uh, was reported everywhere, and actually a lot of it came out today. So I learned of a new beauty trend, and this beauty trend is called the V-Steam. Have oh, you heard, boy. Have you heard of this no, one? I have not. I'm ready, though. So Chrissy Teigen, who I think is famous for uh, being uh, the wife of a famous person, because she, she really has no talent, but Chrissy Teigen... <laughs> I hear she's kind of funny. That's good. She, she posted on Instagram that she was getting a V-Steam done, all right? And uh, we have a picture. Melissa has a picture. Yeah, put it up. It involves sitting on a chair with a hole in it. And inside the chair is a steaming bowl of herbs. (laughs) And the V-steam is a short form for a vagina steam. They also call it a mugwort V-steam therapy. Uh, The picture that Melissa put up was taken from the Tecon Holistic Spa website out of Santa Monica, California. They claim that the V-Steam balances hormone levels, protects the uterus from tumors, strengthens the nervous system, and all this other shit that it probably doesn't really do. And uh, so Chrissy Teigen was going to give it a shot, and uh, that's where I heard about this new beauty trend called the V-Steam. Well, I'm definitely not going to bring up my history of de-steaming. That way... I don't get ridiculed on this show. But. Now, did you ever do a steam bath when you're, like, clogged up? Congestion? Nope. You well, know okay. So, maybe. <laughs> kind of. A, like, one time, I think, I had pleurisy really bad. And right. I, I did, like, a steam bath. And, I mean, I, I used to have to use a nebulizer, which was essentially a steam machine right. that you have to breathe in and breathe out. But... So the old school steam bath, right? You have a bowl of bowl of hot water. You, you put yeah. your head over it and a towel over your head, and that's the old school. So this is basically a an old school steam bath for the vagina. That's basically what it is. And somebody decided, and I bet you, I didn't look up the price. I bet you this is probably hundreds of dollars to oh, sit to sit doubt. over a bowl of steam at a spa. But uh, there you go. That's it for stupid people. Where, where can I get one of those done in Toronto? Uh, I mean, if you want, I can get a bowl of hot water at my house, Sean. We have like three kettles here. We have three kettles at the office. One of them probably has a paper mask of my face over it. So, (laughs) if not, it will. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many uses for the. There's so many uses. The profile picture right now, I think, is my mask on a plant in your office. Mm -hmm. So we have a video soon to come regarding that, Sean. God damn. Damn, we we gotta film some intros. Like we gotta put some intros in the can when I'm in Toronto. Oh, we'll get something going for sure. So I long wanted as- to do. I wanted to do one like the PWG highlight videos. If you've ever seen those. 
So long as the media room is done, because I told you off the air that the damn building is making me get a permit. So, so long as the media room is done, we'll do it, but uh, it's up in the air right now. I want to move on, and I want to talk about David Bixenspan's article for Deadspin, Mm -hmm. because this one was quite interesting. Uh, So he was looking at various motions filed by Dr. Chris Amon. That was the guy that was in the defamation case with CM Punk and Cole Cabana. Uh, Dave Bixenspan was looking into motions filed by his attorneys prior to the trial against Punk and Cabana, and they were filed basically to ensure that certain issues weren't brought up before the jury. And now that the trial is over, most of the stuff is public, and most of it is uh, accessible through the Cook County Courthouse in Chicago. And he did a story about one of the motions... His defense, or I'm sorry, uh, uh, the defense, Punk and Cabana's defensive team, could not reference Dr. Rahman's romantic and sexual relationship with then-WWE talent Jillian Hall, as well as an unnamed female wrestler that uh, Dr. Rahman met at a tryout. And obviously this is pretty big news. I mean, you want to talk about code of ethics. You want to talk about a conflict of interest. You want to talk about what if, and I, I, I doubt she did, but what if Jillian Hall had an addiction and what if he was pressured to overprescribe her because of their relationship? There's so many question marks to this kind of thing. And I'm very curious because you got to remember between the time that he, you know, allegedly misdiagnosed CM Punk's lump and the time of the trial, he was promoted within WWE and he's held in high regard. I'm curious if something like this would come out and if that would hurt his standing because I, I, my gut tells me that they knew that he had a relationship with Jillian Hall. Uh, and so I kind of wonder if an angle come of this. What do you think? They claim they don't. Meanwhile, I saw a picture on social media a long time ago of these two. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would send it to Melissa right now. I can I can pull it up, but I don't trust her to integrate it into the show. <laughs> However, they wise. they claim they didn't know about it, but it wasn't a secret. It right. wasn't like a secret relationship or anything. Not not to my understanding. Yeah, they knew. Yeah. So. They we'll see what comes of it. it. Yeah, but that's when you're when you're the doctor that's looking over the health and well welfare of these these talents. That's a tough one, man. He should have been smarter than yeah. that. But uh, whatever. Let's move on. I want to talk about Patrick Clark. God damn, he's good. So NXT Takeover Chicago. I wasn't able to see the entire show. I saw highlights of most of it, but I made sure to watch the Ricochet Velveteen Dream match. Uh, because I wanted to see that match going in, and so I made sure to uh, find the time on the weekend to watch it. I always, we put over Ricochet on the show before, and uh, you've said that he could be, to you, the next Rey Mysterio in WWE because of his athleticism. Velveteen Dream to me, Patrick Clark, was the one that really impressed me at NXT TakeOver. And I still question the longevity of that character. Like, I question the longevity of the Velveteen Dream character, but... Uh, Patrick Clark, to me, has got all the tools to be a main eventer on the main roster. He's got a good look. He's got decent size. He's well-spoken. He's athletic. He's got charisma. I thought that he had it all and uh, really impressed me. And I, you know what I was thinking as I was watching that match? I was thinking about the, the promo work of the Velveteen Dream Chris Jericho program. And I was thinking about how Jericho would have fun calling him Ovaltine Dream and Velveeta Dream and all this shit that Chris Jericho would be able to do. Yes, and, and, and think about how fun that would be—a program with That's those a two dream guys. Match for me at this point. Yes, I think that would be a lot of fun, and uh, he really impressed me, man. And and to think that he's only been in the business for a few years—he came out of tough enough. Uh, he's got star potential, I think, Patrick Clark for sure. I don't know who altogether makes the decisions for tough. I know it was voting and a lot of that in the past. Whoever 
throughout the history of Tough Enough has voted, whether it's judges, coaches, uh, superstars, I think the only thing that Tough Enough has proven is that everybody who's been given that option fails miserably at picking winners. It hasn't determined anything for wrestlers, like yes. who's the best wrestler. All it's determined is who is really <laughs> shitty at evaluating this talent. Because Velveteen Dream was great, except for The Miz. Miz saved Mandy Rose on one of those episodes. And look at her now. She's doing just fine. She She's is. doing really, really well. Patrick Clark is the man. Yes. I mean, dating back, did you ever see when he was at an indie show, I think when he was 18, and there was no flag for the national anthem, but he was wearing American flag pants. Okay. So everybody turned and saluted him. Okay, While the cool. national anthem played. Like, that was my first exposure to Patrick Clark. And then on that show which is quickly, the last two seasons of Tough Enough are quickly becoming the most talent-packed. You had Eva Lee's Son of Havoc, Marty the Moth, a lot of people on that 2010 one, and now you got Sonya Deville, mm -hmm. Mandy Rose, mm -hmm. The Velveteen Dream, Chelsea Green out of the last season. That's, that's pretty awesome. I think he gets it. I think so, too. I, I love that he walks different, he sells different, he does moves different. He even does, like, double axe handles different. He does everything. His elbow drop way. is excellent, too. Yes, it is. Excellent. Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah. He's I, got I a lot of potential. I thought it was a great story where he didn't think that Ricochet was on his level and wanted to prove that he could do everything better than Ricochet, but he couldn't. Mm -hmm. When I asked Triple H after the show about his Hulk Hogan-inspired entrance, which was wiped from the photo section of NXT TakeOver, Triple H was kind of flustered. You all can hear that that clip on our YouTube page, but he was a little flustered by it. And he really? Had to print, yeah. He, cause he didn't want to mention Hulk Hogan, obviously, but I mean, the pants were even Prince Puma pants from Lucha underground that he wore, but they could have, so, they could have nixed the whole idea. No, if they wanted to, I guess. I mean, they, they posted a video of it, but didn't post any photos. It was really weird. I think hmm. he is a star. I think so too. Yeah. He's got to wonder what will happen on, Lay main roster where it is not out of the ordinary for people to disappear for a month or two at a time. Mm -hmm. The revival, I realized the bar hadn't been on the show for a month. Mm -hmm. Randy Orton took time off. Uh, people just disappear for weeks and months at a time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. Well, that's interesting. And now moving on to something else. It looks like WWE has found a new revenue stream. Uh, and that revenue stream is called uh, Outdoor Soul Shows. Looks like yeah. that's their new revenue stream. So first they have the 10-year deal with the uh, Saudi government. And now they haven't announced uh, financial terms, but I'm pretty sure it's a sold show. They announced officially that they're going to be doing what they call a super showdown event Saturday, October 6th at the Melbourne Cricket Ground. Um, it's in partnership with TEG Dainty, which is a live entertainment company. And that's why I think it's probably a sold show and that TEG probably bought it. They're saying it's going to be the final match between Triple H and The Undertaker, even though we know that Cena Rock was supposed to be their one and only match. So it doesn't necessarily mean anything, but that's the sell. Uh, and they're also saying Cena's going to be there, Ronda Rousey, and Shawn Michaels, among others. It's going to air live on WWE Network. Uh, and they're also looking at pay-per-view opportunities around the world for it. Looks to me like this is their thing now, where they're going to be you know, partnering with companies in, in other countries and doing a big solo show at a stadium. Really glad David Tease is on our payroll because he gets up and covers stuff like that. Thank you, David Tease. I'll do a post-show. Uh, it'll probably be in the afternoon because most humans aren't going to watch that until early afternoon anyway out here. Most humans. 
most humans, some my cats might be up to watch. They might be up to watch. They, they, you know, they stir some shit up. (laughs) And of course, it's on the other end of the country from Anna. Like, of course, it'd be too easy if it were on the same side. So, there's a story they got to tell for this. Where did Ronda Rousey? Yeah. Now, was the Holly Holm fight in Melbourne? It was in Melbourne. It was in Melbourne. It was. It was in a different stadium. Okay. But it was yeah, in yeah. Melbourne. You've okay. got to tell that story. you got to tell the story about how Ronda Rousey got fucked up mentally in Australia. You got She seems to, to handle references to her losses pretty well on WWE programming. Yeah. And that, that goes a long way because she didn't like it before, man. Mm-hmm. I remember the MMA media, and I can tell you, she didn't take it well. But that is a story to be told. I'm not expecting this to be any more than a house show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A stadium house show, and that's okay. If they can make money, they'll keep putting on stadium house shows. For sure. But you have so many goddamn championships right now. Within a month, you will have 20 people holding titles in WWE. There's no reason you can't add some of those people to these shows, do some title changes, make some special stuff happen. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah, we'll see what happens. So let's talk about Extreme Rules. So, uh... We're actually finally seeing storyline progression, Sean. It has been a holding. Can you believe it? Months. Yeah, we're actually seeing storyline progression, and I'm going to look past the monster in the bank uh, header, which you know I love. I'm going to look past monster in the bank, and uh, but I want to I want to look at some of the stuff going on. So they're going to do a. The, multi- the title of this week's RAW, by the way, was Monster in the Bank. Was it really? Just so you know, I was going to save that for the Fightful Wrestling Weekly, but there, there you go. So. <laughs> they're, going to, they're going to do a multi-person match at Extreme Rules to determine Brock Lesnar's next challenger for the Universal title. They're not saying when that'll be. It's clearly going to be SummerSlam because we're not fucking morons. And again, the speculation is that Roman is going to get the shot again. The only thing that would make it work for me, Sean, is if Braun cashes in, right? That's the only thing that would make any sense. But uh, the positivity coming out of that is that they finally are progressing Bobby Lashley. Bobby Lashley is going to be one of the guys in the match. On Raw, he finally came off more like the TNA Bobby Lashley. He had a little bit more edge to him. He finished the tag match by using the spear. we got to forget about the fact that Michael Cole was rough Wiggum at the end of that match. Were you a Simpsons guy, Sean? As a kid, I was. I dorked out when I went to uh, Universal Studios and saw Simpsons land. Uh, I hadn't watched it in 18 years, but... I loved Simpsons when I was a kid, yeah. So Ralph Wiggum is the most uh, you know, non-subtle character in the history of that show, right? <laughs> so he's the guy where when Lisa Simpson gave him a card that said, let's be friends, he would say, it says, let's be friends, and there's a picture of a bee on it. That's <laughs> Ralph Wiggum. See, did you see the DMs that I posted of the, the person who had tweeted me and said, love the show? Then they were like, fuck you and your stupid site. I'll go to <laughs> Wrestling Inc. And then they, then a couple months later, they sent me one that said, "Big fan, bro, keep it up." Yes, <laughs> I yes. got like I think like six people sent me a meme of Ralph Wiggum saying, "I'm happy and angry at the same time." <laughs> there you go. Well, in this situation, good old Michael Cole, and I realize that stuff is fed to him, and I'm trying to cut him a break to a degree. But good old Michael Cole, when Lashley hit that spear, yelled out, "Roman Reigns usually finishes a match like that." <laughs> And I watched that as a viewer at home thinking, do you think WWE or Vincent Mann, if you were the producer, or Michael Cole, because Michael Cole's annoying, do you think that wrestling fans are fucking plugs? Like, like, just, like, 
seven-year-old morons that can't comprehend what they're seeing on television and they need you to, to, to let that be known? Is that That's what they the really thing, think? Man, I think you got to let people – you got to let the subtleties – let Roman Reigns' face tell the story. Yes, let his face tell the story because people are not fucking morons, Sean. They know yeah. Bowen Brayer brothers. They know it, right? That's, that's why, why it got the pop. That's why it got the pop. Exactly. And that's why when Brother Bo, I knew you'd come happens when they inevitably go to the – the compound, it'll get a, get a big pop. Yes, yeah, it man. will. Yes, it will. They know. And I could not believe that Michael Cole said that. He came off oh, like Ralph Wiggum. That's what he was. I'm going to set up a story probably for while I'm on vacation. Because if you visit Fightful.com, you won't actually know that I'm on vacation. But it's going to have a lot of the lines that they are being fed these days straight from the scripts. So I'll have those up. Well, going back to Extreme Rules. So, uh, so they're doing the multi-person match. Um, well, like I said, the speculation Roman's going to win. Rusev actually won the gauntlet last night, and he's going to challenge AJ Styles for the WWE title at Smack uh, at Extreme Rules. And I'm going to say this again, and I think I'm going to say this every week, Sean. Between now and Extreme Rules, get him new music. Get him new music. Because the people want to cheer for him. When Aiden English starts his little singing, they start cheering. And then when they hear that music, they're confused because it's a heel song. Get him new music. It's Get simple. Him something that they can chant Rusev Day to. That would be perfect. That would be perfect. Yeah, yeah. And this is, comp- like, this is, this is common sense shit, Sean, isn't it? This is common sense shit. Right? Yes. You and I are not creative geniuses, Sean. Well. We're not. Well, come on. This is common sense shit. You want him to be babyface, the crowd is with him. Get rid of the com- fucking whatever well, compared, that. Comparatively speaking, I think we are. Well, I mean, to me, it's common sense. Get rid of the goddamn music if you want him to be a babyface. So that, that's I, I love happen. that he's getting the opportunity. I think I it's do too. awesome. I do that too. He's giving the opportunity. And, you know, he's had an opportunity before, kind of like Melissa had an opportunity before. And Melissa's about to have another opportunity. As she cues up the second clip from my Bruce Pritchard interview. Thanks. I've announced in March that you've joined MLW as a producer. I know that they've got on BN Sports. What, what is or will be your role uh, with that company? More of a consulting role to be able to come in and, and help them out on their days of production and work with some of the younger talent and see what they have. But they're doing a lot of television production, and they need some help in that area. I'm working with their producers, their talent, and just giving my input from a 30,000-foot viewpoint just to try and, and help them with what they're doing. I think the more wrestling organizations, quality wrestling organizations, and the more opportunities that you can provide for talent i think it's better for the whole business where do you see uh wrestling as far as broadcast going in in the next few years because we do have this i don't want to say new medium in the internet but worked out pretty nice for you and the the distribution of your show but we've seen uh, lucha underground be on and off uh el rey we've seen impact wrestling juggled between different different networks WWE's the obviously the juggernaut they have the broadcast rights where people are aching to pay them but you also have Ring of Honor which is owned by a broadcast company you've got people like Errol Lucha who are trying to find something uh, and MLW which is kind of new to the game too but where do you see that going it seemed like a few years ago any wrestling company 
that was putting consistent programming out looked like they were landing TV deals, and then it kind of slowed down. Well, I think that TV is not going to be the end-all, be-all for any business. I think that you have to be multi-dimensional. What I mean by that is you have to make your product available on as many platforms as the way people consume today. And so many people consume their entire life on that little box in their hand that they, they call a phone. And it's amazing to me when you walk through um, – we, we went to dinner last night, and they're at this uh, mall, open-air mall, and I'm just sitting outside with a glass of wine looking at all the people walking around and kids and just a lot of people in this outdoor mall area. Every one of them were on their phone doing something watching something, listening to something, texting someone. Um, there was very little interaction. So what? I, if you have a way to reach your audience and you have to reach them how they want to be reached and everybody's different, if they want to sit down and watch TV, great, you need it. If they are living by their phone, then you got to figure out a way for them to stop what they're doing and watch your product. So I think shorter snippets, um, is going to be kind of a way to go, and or uh, a marathon, kind of like what we do. And and it's funny, people say, "Oh, well, you guys do a three-hour podcast." Uh, did you? Why do you do that? It was an accident. We just we just kept talking, and Conrad kept digging, and I kept answering. It. It ended up being three hours at first. You know, we were given all these rules. Don't go more than an hour. You got it. Your your podcast is guest driven. I've never had a guest. But the the audience ate it up because now all of a sudden uh they had something they could listen to all week. Maybe they didn't they didn't sit down and listen to it for three hours, although a lot do. But they would listen to it 30 minutes on their way to work, 30 minutes on their way home. And each day, so they would get a whole week of me, which is scary. Um, but you, you have to, if you, the trick for any promoter of any product is going to be, how do you reach your audience? And as long as you can figure that out and you can deliver constant product and constant content, man, you'll, you'll be ahead of the game. Again, guys, <laughs> you all can check out the Bruce Pritchard interview at youtube.com slash Fightful. Check those playlists out. I have a lot of stuff that easily sorts all of our videos on the channel in case you think it's too cluttered. <laughs> it's too cluttered. We're going to fix it. So uh, I want to I tell you this story because I actually did not know about the background on this until I looked it up. So Access TV announced this week, that's Cuban's uh, cable channel, yeah. they announced this week that they're partnering up with Jeannie Buss, who's the owner of the LA Lakers, Mark Burnett, who's the uh, king of reality TV and the producer of Lucha Underground, and David McLean, who was the creator of Glow in the 80s and the original WOW, uh, Women of Wrestling in 2000. Access is teaming up with those guys to bring a show called WOW Superheroes to TV. When I looked this up, it turns out that this brand has already existed for a while. Uh, they've been running live shows sporadically up until now. They put their content up digitally at WOWE.com. It's actually really well produced. Have you ever seen the footage? I have seen the footage. It is well produced. Really well produced. They clearly are, are very well funded. And I had no idea that prior to now, Jeannie Buss and Mark Burnett and David McLean were already partnered up. 
uh, yeah. doing women or wrestling. You want to talk about funding, Sean. They got the owner of the LA Lakers funding this thing. Technically, they've been around since like 2000. <laughs> right. The original, right, right. So, uh, so they're going to give that a shot. Obviously, I think with the success of Glow on Netflix and with the success of female wrestlers now in WWE and I guess Ring of Honor to a lesser degree, they, they probably think there's a market for this now. So they're going to give that a shot. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, I don't see it doing great within the, the viewership comparisons of other shows, like even a Lucha Underground, but compared to what Access TV does for a lot of stuff, sure. I'm still a little bummed that Access got rid of Inside MMA. I think mm. that was one of the best MMA shows. And, you know, that's that's the Access that I kind of grew up on, but I think they see the success in New Japan. And obviously, Mark Cuban, the thing I like about Mark Cuban is for as successful as he is, he sees a pro wrestling where some people in his position would say, uh, we're above that. Our yes. profile's a little too much. And he says, uh, no, I'll take those viewers. Thanks. For sure. Yeah. You think he might run for president in 2020? Hope he does. There's speculation that he wants to oust Trump as a Republican. I'm sure he wants to. So I like Cuban <laughs> a lot. Cuban. I do too. Yeah, I like him a lot. I like him a lot as a businessman. I mean. Yeah. He's cool. I, plus, I, plus, I mean, who doesn't like Dirk Nowitzki, who is a Dallas Maverick? I mean, the guy is a gentleman. I hope he plays until he's 48. I want to read a quote from a Kenny Omega interview with the mm-hmm. Winnipeg Free Press this past week. That's his local publication. So I think he still lives in Winnipeg. Cheap plug. I'll be talking to him this week. There you go. <laughs> now, uh, this, I think, is a very telling quote, and I want to get your thoughts on this. He was asked, like he's always asked, about the possibility of going to WWE because I think his New Japan contract is up next year. And here is, or maybe even the end of this year, and here is what Omega said about that. He said, WWE is kind of a place where you want to finish your career, kind of when you've already accomplished what you've wanted to accomplish as an artist. You go there to collect your paycheck and call it a day. Now, the first thing I thought of when I read that was Daniel Bryan's book. I don't know if you remember, in Daniel Bryan's book, when he signed with WWE, William Regal told him that, Starting now, what you do is not pro wrestling. What you did up until now was pro wrestling, but this is not going to be that. And, and Daniel Bryan said that he kind of had to learn how it's so much different because of the television aspect and time cues and all that stuff. Kenny Omega said, WWE is where you go when you want to finish your career. He's going to be 35 in October. So do yeah. you think that he's thinking, I can earn a good living. AJ Styles is crushing it. I can earn a good living there. It might be time for me to uh, make that jump. What do you think? I think he'll wait. I think he'll wait several years. I think he knows where his bread is buttered. I think that long term, I think maybe he moves there when he's 40. Like AJ did. Yeah. Right. I, fortunately, WWE moved away from that stuff. We saw Eric Young, who you all can see on Jimmy Van's match archives quite often in the future at FightfulSelect.com. 38 years old, debuted in WWE this week after being the most decorated TNA wrestler of all time. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad WWE went away from the don't hire anybody from TNA, don't hire anybody this age, yada, yada. It is the right thing, and hopefully it stays that way. Bobby Lashley got brought back after 10 years at age 40-something. Mm-hmm. I'm happy about that. He just celebrated 20 Kenny, years in the business, too. Yeah, and you bring Kenny Omega over in five years, hopefully he's just as hot as he is ever, but I think that all that new japan has given him he strikes me as the kind of guy that sees that and embraces that and really i think he'll be a bit loyal in that regard do you think and i realize the the new japan schedule is not the wwe schedule but do you think his style can go another five years in new japan yes 
Okay. Because he's... Yes, I do. You talk about a hell of a hard-hitting well, physical style. Also, they're, they're not wrestling necessarily matches like that every month. They're putting yeah. a lot of, like, eight-man tags and six-man tags and stuff like that. And it really does... It does help freshen some of these people up. And even then, people talk the WWE schedule. I think that's about to change big time because, as I mentioned... Dana Brooks never on the show. Mm-hmm. She's never on there. They they've got enough talent to where they could do a third touring brand if their live events were successful in that regard. They have enough people on legends contracts. They could go grab. They could send Mickey James and grab Shane Helms and all these people who can still go but aren't wrestling. They could run a goddamn legends touring brand if they want. WWE has so much talent that they don't. They literally don't know what to do with it. And New Japan, I think. While they can't necessarily, they can't match the money WWE offers. They can match incentively. Bad Luck Fale wouldn't leave. Tama Tonga wouldn't leave. Kenny Omega had a standing offer from NXT for a long time. He wouldn't leave. I think there are a lot of people who see New Japan and look at Anderson and Gallows as a pretty goddamn good indication. Mm-hmm. Maybe I should stick around here long term for my career. I mean, and look, I at, look at Sting. People. Look at Sting. Yeah, they tried to get him for over a decade, and he felt like they're going to screw up the character. And he took yeah. that 500k for a few dates from Impact. For God, he probably got five to ten million out of them when all is said and done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it worked out for him. Um, what did you think about of all people to pin Seth Rollins and win the Intercontinental Title? What did you think of all people? Dolph Ziggler was the guy that pinned Seth Rollins and won the Intercontinental Title. So when I got the script, and I, I always read the last thing first to see what they shell for next week, it was rematch between Rollins and Ziggler. I was like, well, that's interesting. But it didn't really indicate if it would be a dusty finish or mm-hmm. an interference or whatever. I was like, that indicates something's happening. Mm-hmm. This Dolph Ziggler? Thumbs up. Sure. Why not? Uh, Dolph Ziggler three months ago? Hell no. Mm-hmm. Hell no. However, that being said, not knowing what's going to go on right now, I think it should have been Elias because Elias isn't going to face Brock Lesnar at SummerSlam. Nobody believes that. Mm-hmm. Nobody believes that. I'm still on board with the fact that Elias should have held that title. And as much as people love him, he should have broke Honky Tonk Man's record. That's what I think should have happened. I just think that's the right move to make. He's going to go but babyface. Elias is going to go babyface. And it's going to happen. And there were two things that happened this week that told me that they're going to go in that direction. Number one, he finished the whole damn song. Didn't even do anything physical. He just did a song. That's number one. Number two, Sean, he let the hair down, man. There's your sign. He let the hair down this week. He didn't have the bad guy man bun that some people have. He let it down this week, Sean. Well, you know, there are are financial incentives that can get me to wear goddamn pigtails. Uh, I wouldn't put a lot of money into that, but I'm considering shaving the head. I'm considering it. Mm Mm-hmm. Shaving the head, yeah. man. Why? Why do you not want me to donate my hair so much? You can do two. You things. can. You can donate <laughs> what you, you have can. and then grow it back. No, you can't. You, it has to be a certain length. Really? I don't think I looked into this. Yeah, it's got to be like eight to ten inches. Maybe past the ponytail. What is it right now? Oh, I don't know. I haven't measured it. It's nowhere near close. Maybe we can find one in Toronto that'll take less. Hey. No, I'm, I'm trying to if I find one in Toronto if I find one in Toronto that takes less will you take a lower amount of money <laughs> oh god probably not I've got a down payment on a house to think about my wife isn't working this fall so I mean you know what but you your just hair have to do with that yeah you just said that you're growing oh, it up for a reason hair have to do 
yeah. I'm leveraging my hair for a more financially secure situation. I Come see. On I thought it was for, you know, cancer patients. You know what I'm thinking of, Sean? You know well, what I'm thinking hey, of? Hey, right now, my hair is for cancer patients. You better believe I'm going to donate some of that money. I'll probably donate it to, like, Sprinkles of Hope or something like that locally. Or Elijah Burke's Love Alive charity. I donate to that here and there. But So I'm just kind of, like, thinking as I speak, Sean. And right now, I'm thinking about Blue Jays game, hair versus hair food challenge. Sh- uh, Sean Ross Sapp and Nigel in a Ooh. hair versus hair food challenge. Ah. And the winner of the food challenge, got to shave your head, but you get the $15,000. I'm thinking about it, man. No, nah, no, nah, I'm not risking thinking it. Thinking about I'm it. Not, not signing on that dotted line for a risk. Why? What? <laughs> what? What? I'm not doing that. Why not? I'm not doing that. Because. Isn't it worth eating like one lobster roll if it means that you might get, you well, know, 15 grand out of it? I've never ate lobster, period. Okay. But, Those sea bugs that you keep talking about. Sea bugs. Okay, fine. Take out lobster roll, put in something you'll eat, you know, a, a, How about a slider. Hot chicken. How about. Nah. I could get microwave lasagna. They must sell it here in Toronto about, somewhere. I'll get you some microwave I'll lasagna. Go the pay per view route. You got to pay for it. But I would be. That's where the fifteen thousand yeah, dollars comes you're in. Going full Dana White method. Oh, get your show and your win bonus. Oh, maybe, maybe I'll give you the big bonus if you impress me enough. That's kind of true. It's kind of true. Nah, it that ain't that ain't me. Uh. I'll get Chris Curtis and I'll break my hand and not get a contract and then have to retire from podcasting because I'll look like you. But you you'd get a you'd get a belly full food for free out of it. Yeah, but. Come on. Could be worse. No, 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 no. That ain't working. You can try to throw it out there, but it's it's not going to work. And Aaron Hyden says, I leave to make a phone call, come back and hear them talking about how many inches Sean is. <laughs> <laughs> well, then. That well, then. I got to say, for that sponsor. Melissa, you did a good job today. <laughs> how much pressure did you feel today? I felt better than last week. You felt better than last week? Yeah, yeah. It that's good. couldn't have possibly went worse, right? That's yeah, that's a low standard, though, Sean. I told her in the meeting yesterday I'd never seen her tweet so much. <laughs> and that told me how, how like stressed she felt because she was tweeting. She was responding to everybody about every every technical uh, well, comment. Well, she's gotten her followers up. In just a week, she's gotten like about 10% of the followers that our MMA account has. So, I mean, she's getting up there. She's, she's about to hit that 100 mark. I believe in her. Thanks. Go follow her at IRL underscore tweener on Twitter. And don't forget, after this, Fightful Select, we're going to have uh, Stupid People Extended. I got three more good ones. Check those out. I saw where Melissa was kind of rude to somebody who tried to... <laughs> oh, no. What did I do? <laughs> when... I said that Kevin Owens healed somebody. You said, I didn't know that was a verb. And someone said, maybe Kevin Nash could help her out with her verbs and her adjectives. And she said, ha, 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 bet that was a great reference. <laughs> I actually wasn't trying to be rude. Keep in mind, after I had linked to the video of Kevin Nash saying, check out the adjective, play. Oh, I hadn't seen your response. You went and flamed somebody. What do you have me muted on Twitter? Probably. That was Probably. his WCW return debut, yeah, right? Yeah. Yes, I remember that. I remember that. And he is a very well-educated man. Yes, he, he is. University of Tennessee. Very well-spoken. Yes, he I think is. I he won sure. an SEC championship there. Man. Yeah. So how would you say that this show went, Jimmy? As good as you could have imagined? Let's just say last week I kept my cool, Sean. <sighs> but uh, I was ready to wrap it up uh, two or three different times. Oh, yeah. 
and I watched it back. And the thing is, is when you're sitting here doing this, you can't see what's going on. And it wasn't until I watched it back that I realized that we faded to black and there was an echo of Pritchard going on for like 10 minutes. And I was watching that thinking, how did we ever get to this from where we were? And in, I, in comparison, it's gone quite well. I had to do an audio edit of that, and it was a nightmare. I bet. It, was, it took me two hours to get that piece of shit that I ended up posting going. Because there were all these different formats and how I ripped the files and had to add the files and all this stuff. But I think it went well. Most live viewers we have ever had, it eclipses the week that Paige's leaks <laughs> happened that was the most before. Because people thought they were going to see, like, boobies on this thing, which is why they tuned in, right? Probably. Yeah, I think that's Probably. what happened. Yeah. But... Did you hear about you, the Cody Rhodes, Zack Ryder comment and the uh, the social media feedback? No. What happened? So he did that conference call. Yeah. And uh, him and Zack are tight in real life, right? And so... They went the, to Universal together this week. Okay. And so the interviewer knew that. And so the interviewer said to Cody Rhodes, did you know that uh, Zack Ryder finally just bought his own house after living with his parents for like 10 years and two rooms are filled with action figures? Yeah. And Cody Rhodes like ripped on Zack Ryder and he did the whole thing in jest for fun. Yeah. And it was obvious listening to him that he was doing it in jest for fun. Mm -hmm. And if you read the social media comments, some people got it and some people were like, by the way, him and Zack are buddies. Right. Other people were ripping on Cody going, that's mean. How can you talk about Zach like that? And he's trying and and all this. And I I loved it. I loved it that Cody was trolling people like that. So anybody who feels bad for Zach Ryder should not feel bad for Zach Ryder. I told you he bought uh, L. Jans off of me, the British Bulldogs. Yeah. uh, The guy has been in WWE for a decade now. He's doing well. just think about financially what that does for a person. He's doing well. To be, to be, yeah. Uh, also, he's dating Chelsea Green. Yes. By the way, uh, before that, he dated Emma. The guy in life, doing just fine. Did I tell you that Justin Roberts texted me? And he said, I'm driving through whatever town, and I'm riding with Zach and I think Miz and Ziggler. And he said, Zach uh, wants to know if you've mailed the British Bulldogs yet. <laughs> <laughs> so what, did you just have extras? Yeah, what I used to do is I used to uh, buy them in in the package, but then if I found one that was in better condition, yeah, I would sell the original one. Okay. And when okay. when when Zach bought it, I forget his real name, Matt something. When he bought it, I recognized his name. Yeah. And I texted Justin and I said, Matt, whatever the hell his name is, and I said, is that Zach Ryder? And he said, yeah. And I said, I know you guys are tight. Tell him that he just bought those bulldogs for me, and I'll get them out to him soon, kind of thing. And then after that, he was. You know, hitting up yeah. Justin saying, ask him this, ask him that. So I really badly wanted to st- still want to start a show maybe once, twice a month. One week it's about championship belts. One week it's about wrestling action figures. I wouldn't host it. I don't know enough about it. I want it because I want to learn about this shit. So if anybody's interested in hosting that and can do it in a competent manner and an educated manner, let me know because I've had some interested parties on the, the at least the championship side of things to co-host so i'm very interested in doing that guys hit me up if you're if you're well learned in the situations this week on fightful select i am filming a retro review for ecw hardcore heaven which is a steaming pile of shit of a show can't wait to rip that apart with mr warren hayes go visit fightfulselect.com guys also check out our sponsor at omg.com on Twitter, they are at OMGButter. Right after this, Stupid People Extended on FightfulSelect.com. 
Woo! Fightful.com is where to go, guys. Jimmy Van 74, Sean Ross Sapp, Fightful Online. Follow Melissa. I Good job, really. Melissa. And Nigel. Good job and today, Nigel. Melissa. Well, Nigel didn't Thank help you. with the show, did he? Well, I, I know that they were, they prepared for about the last three hours, but otherwise... See, listen, uh, listen, you're already trying to lull me into being pit against Nigel. I'm not falling for it. Follow <laughs> Nigel. Nigel underscore Lokai. We're out. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.